Philippians chapter 3. I'm just going to look at a couple of verses there. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. If there isn't, uh, maybe wave your hand and we'll have Stephen bring some of the ones we took downstairs earlier up. But Philippians chapter 3. And uh, Paul, of course, is in prison at this point, and he's writing the Philippian church, a church that came into being with much persecution, the famous story about Paul being put into prison and God opening the doors with the earthquake. That happened in the city of Philippi. And Paul is writing to the Christians there, And as we come to the end of the year, and of course we're not going to stay till midnight tonight. We're going to get you all out of here early. And uh, now if you go home and stay up real late and come in tomorrow morning to church going, Oh, Pastor, I'm so tired. I'm not going to feel one bit of sorry for you, all right? Uh, Because we're sending you home early so you can get a nap and and hopefully your neighbors won't be too noisy. But uh, let's make sure... The most important thing on the agenda is the worship of our Lord. And we do that corporately Sunday morning. And we want tonight just to be an encouraging time, a time to look into God's Word. How many of you have already made all of your New Year's resolutions? Boy, I don't see any hands going up. How many have already broken the ones you've made? No, uh, You know, New Year's resolutions probably is not the best way to start the new year. How many of you have something you'd like to forget that happened in 2011? Well, I'm going to show you biblically you're supposed to do that. Amen? Uh, There is a Bible way to handle this. And this is Paul's, not just on New Year's, this is Paul's way of living each And every day, and this should not be something new for you. We've been through this passage many times here, sometimes in the context of the entire book as we've gone through the book of Philippians verse by verse, phrase by phrase. Uh, Other times, uh, it's just uh, a, a passage of Scripture we have to go back to. In fact, years ago, some of you remember Brother Tim Ungry, uh, our missionary to Alaska. He and I were in Bible college together. And uh, we, I horse-traded with him and got a King James Bible page. It was printed in the year 1611, 400 years old to this year. And it is Philippians chapter 3. And every once in a while, I sit in my office. I like to just walk over there and read that page in the old English and, and be reminded of these things. You see, God doesn't want to just change you in one year or for one year. He wants you to be prepared for eternity. And the way we do that is right here. Philippians, we're going to read verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 14 and verse 15. Just three verses. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in any other thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, this, of course, is just a small part of a much longer passage that Paul is dealing with. He says, I've given up everything that I have known. Paul was a very educated man. Paul had many accomplishments before he got saved. He said, when I got saved, I had to give up everything I had done. I had to just read verse 8 through 10. He says, I count it but dumb. He's not mincing words. He's not using hyperbole there. It's until you get sick of yourself, you'll never accept the Savior. Until you are so tired of yourself that you can't stand it anymore. Somebody said, I can't stand myself now. Well, good, you're on the right road. Amen. You've got to get rid of yourself so that you can get filled with the Savior. You see, it's not just turning over a new leaf. It's not just rearranging the furniture. It's not just a reformation. It's not just positive thinking here. It is much more than that. The Bible calls it being born again. Amen? It's a brand new life. And yet, Paul is here toward the end of his ministry. And here's what he says. He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know what he's saying? I have not arrived in my Christianity yet. I am not what I would be satisfied with. Now, we have this idea that somehow... We are supposed to be totally satisfied and everything is just supposed to be wonderful. How many of you have ever reached that level at work where you're just totally satisfied with your position and your pay? And, I mean, everything is just perfect. Do we have anybody like that here? We want to give you an award. Amen? No. Uh, You know what? You really never get there. Because once you you lose the challenge of something new to accomplish, what happens? It gets boring, doesn't it? You lose your love, you lose your desire, you lose your drive. And I've met a lot of people in their service for Christ who actually got there. They were satisfied. I remember seeing a t-shirt one time. Retired. No kids, no job. No money, leave me alone or something underneath that. I can't remember what the punchline actually was, but I thought, what a tragedy. My idea of retiring is one Bridgestone has a sale, amen? You put new tires to keep going. Because God doesn't want us to quit. He doesn't want us to lose the challenge of life. But one of the things that will really slow you down is if we live in the past. Some pretty wonderful accomplishments. Praise the Lord for what He's done in our little church this year. 
I forgot to look up the total, but it was about $95,000 for missions this year. A whole lot better than the stuff in the basket at the skit. Amen? And that's money that has gone all over the world. Helped start churches here in the United States as well as uh, every continent that men live on. We praise the Lord for that. And you know what? We don't have some big rich benefactor that makes it happen. It's all of us poor folk giving a little. And God does a lot. But if we get satisfied... then we won't work toward the coming year. But not only can our successes be troublesome, our failures can be troublesome too now, can't they? We sit there and we go back over those same things over and over again. I like to call it the graveyard of forgiven sin. You know, when God forgives your sins, He puts them away forever. And it says that we're supposed to forget those things which are behind. We're not supposed to rest on our accomplishments and say, you know, we've worked really hard. Our church has done some great things. Now it's time to coast a little bit and take it easy this year. Wrong. Forget those things which are behind. You know what? We've had some tragedies. We've had some very sad things that if we allowed them... They could fill our mind and our heart and take our focus off the Savior and we'll stop pressing toward the mark. I love Hebrews ten seventeen. It says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You know what? When God forgets something, it's not because He's just pretending it didn't exist. How many of you have ever tried that? Just forget about it. I know that it was a bad situation and it was really injurious and I'm hurt very much, but just forget about it. What a lie. You don't forget about it. It's still there. You know, the reason God can forget about our sins and the reason we can forget about them is because Jesus Christ paid for them on the cross. That's why. We can forget. If you have unpaid bills left over from 2011, don't forget about them. Because the bill collector won't. He's going to come back. He's going to remember, or she, or they, or whoever it might happen to be. But let me tell you, God forgets our sins and our failures because He paid for them. He paid for them with the blood of Jesus. And we hear an awful lot about this positive thinking and possibility thinking and all of these things. You can't change anything by thinking. You got to do something. You can get yourself in an awful mess thinking about things. And maybe you can think up the answers. But if you don't do anything about it, what happens? Nothing. God wants us to do something, my friends. It says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
Now I'm going to bring up a subject of great failure. How many of you got through? Don't raise your hands. We don't want anybody lying. How many of you got through your Bible reading schedule this year? You know what? If you didn't, forget about it. But there's a new one in the bookstore. Start tomorrow. Amen? You ought to read through this book. Let me tell you, reading through the Bible once in a year is good for a baby Christian. But if you're really living the life, you'll need more than that. In fact, I tell people sometimes, they say, Pastor, I'm just spiritually sick. Do you got any medicine? You know, and they're kind of tongue-in-cheek. And I said, yeah, we got the gospel. Amen. Uh, this is the medicine for your soul. But when you get really sick, I remember when I was just a, a young man, about 12 years old, I got an infection and it went through my system. If you go to the doctor, he's going to give you a very strong dose of penicillin. It'll be about like 500 milligrams of penicillin or something like that. They were doing 4 million units of penicillin in a 24-hour period trying to get rid of that infection. Uh, let me tell you something. You won't drown in the water of the Word. But if you flood your life with it, it'll make a difference. Reach out unto those things which are before. How many of you have already won your first soul to Christ? Don't raise your hands. How many of you are still waiting? You know, that's what Christ wants us to reach out. Those are the things that are set before you. Aren't you glad that somebody gave you a gospel track and invited you to church? Some friend said, come with me. Somebody... Uh, uh, some people found us on the internet. Guess what? Somebody put that website up just so you could find us. That's what it's about. Listen, how you repay that is not putting money in the offering plate. It's going out and getting somebody else to come with you. That's one of those things that are out there. You know what? Some people... And I'm not trying to be mean here, but got to be pastor. It'd be a great accomplishment if you just showed up three times a week. A lot of things keep you out of church. Hey, reach out. Each service is designed to minister to a different part of your life. You need, you need Sunday morning. You need Sunday night. You need Thursday night. If it's possible, you need to be there. Reach out. Grab a hold of that thing. Now, on the other hand, don't think just because you show up in church you've done God a favor. Amen? We, he doesn't need us. We need Him. And that's what this is all about. We reach out for those things which are before. Paul goes on to say, he said, I press toward the mark. Now, that word mark 
it's talking about a target. Every once in a while, we take some of the guys out and do some target practice. You know, the least hit part of the target is a bullseye. <laughs> I took a couple of my kids out a while back. Dad, did I hit the target? Yeah. That's good, isn't it? No. I mean, we're getting close. But listen, when he says I'm pressing toward that mark, he said, I've set a small spot. How many of you remember the verses when Jesus said, Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But I always like to counter that verse because I've had many people use that as an excuse. It's such a narrow way. How in the world can I walk in it? How many of you remember Psalm 119? He said, thy commandment is exceeding broad. You want freedom. Confine yourself with the word of God and you'll be freer than you've ever been. That's the mark. That's what we're pressing toward is obedience toward the Word of God. We could put in so many other things. We could talk about tithing. We could talk about giving to missions. And we could talk about just serving the Lord. There's a daily pressing toward that mark, toward that high calling. It says here, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If we only understood, and I'm talking about myself as your pastor as well. If we only understood what the prize was that Paul's talking about here. It would change everything about the way we think. We're going through the book of Revelation on Thursday night and we've just gotten a little glimpse, chapters 4 and 5, into what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be about praising God. It's going to be about giving glory to Him. And no, we're not going to need a rock and roll band to get it done and we're not going to necessarily be jumping up and down. The Bible says we're going to be falling at His feet and casting our crowns before the feet of Him that liveth forever and ever. At the feet of the Lamb who was slain. He wants to be glorified in our lives. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen when you press toward the mark for the prize. The prize is going to be having something to give God in worship in heaven. I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine what it would be like. If you were one of those ones that was saved, having even the garments spotted by the flesh. Standing there empty-handed as the hundreds of millions and thousands of thousands fall down on their face and cast their crowns before His feet. That's just part of the prize. Hearing that well done. Being able, as Paul said when he wrote his last letter, 2 Timothy, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know what? So oftentimes 
we set off to do something great. And we wonder why nothing happens. And yet, if you'll set off to walk with Jesus every day, let me promise you something great will happen. It has to. When we set out to do something great, oftentimes what we're doing is we're looking at the way other people will think about us. When we set off to please the Savior, our only thought ought to be what is going to please Him. And that's when He steps in and does something great. If you want your life to count, you see... Paul said in verse 15, as he sums up this little nugget here, let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Now there's an awful lot to be said about perfection. And most of it is nothing but an excuse never to get there. But let the Bible define the Bible. The Bible says, if you're walking each day pressing toward the mark, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, that is the biblical definition of perfection. It doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. I wish it did. That would be wonderful. But that's not realistic. That's not biblical. What it is, is living each day in the power of the Savior. And He will take care of that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand the message that Paul had in these few verses. No one has arrived. Our spiritual accomplishments are, Lord, they're not ours to begin with, let alone enough. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to forget those things which are behind, both success and failures. Lord, that we would reach out unto those things which are before. That we would be willing to stretch ourselves to see our lives brought into more agreement with your word. Lord, that we would press toward that mark. That we would think and understand just a little bit about the great love wherewith you have loved us. What the prize really is of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that we would not let the diatribe and the confusion of this world detract our minds from simply following that path each and every day of this coming year. We ask for your direction that you may be glorified both in our individual lives and here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll take just a moment, keep our heads bowed, and have the piano begin to play.